0: You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat and stay up to date. Hi there, you're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today I'm going stateside. I'm speaking to an absolutely fantastic artist. His name is Andrew Beam. He's from North Carolina, but he's currently in South Carolina. And I cannot wait to find out more. Hi Andrew. Thanks for having me on Dom.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing good man. I uh, I tagged out this morning. It's turkey season over here in South Carolina. I I shot my third bird.
0: I saw some of your um, Instagram posts. Some nice looking birds.
1: Oh yeah and and the funny part is I actually so I'm planning on eating turkey tonight anyway. So the birds I killed earlier in the season actually uh, got it cubed up right now and cut it into nuggets and it's marinating in buttermilk and pickle juice in the refrigerator. We're going to fry it up tonight. Oh, uh, that, yeah, gonna...
0: that sounds amazing. That really does sound good.
1: But it really doesn't get any better than this, man. So this morning I woke up and uh, actually I, it was a public land bird that I shot and a little solo hunt. So tagged out Season's up for me. I'll probably find a couple more pairs for somebody. Uh, got through with that and booked two shows today. Uh, one of which I can't announce, but we're opening for a pretty big artist uh, here in a couple of weeks. And now, now I'm talking to you. See, it's been a really good day.
0: See, see, I'm the penultimate part of the day. I just, I just met the day complete.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: Not, not the whole booking and a uh, gig with a massive artist, but you know, I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it where I can. Now, I saw on Instagram that you've got a partnership, particularly. I think it's in apparel. Um, you was, you was all decked out in your camos. He was just. I think he was about to go out hunting on some turkey. What what's what's happening there?
1: Yeah, so we we're sponsored by Local Boy Outfitters. Yeah, and Local Boy, as of right now, is not making a whole lot of camo stuff. They did come out with a brand new camouflage kind of dress shirt. Um, but they're it's more of my stage attire. This is one of their hats right here, and they got some camo hats. But uh, it's it's crazy. I'm I'm very loyal to whoever my sponsors are, and I ended up meeting. Uh, the owners, Patrick Stamp and David Falkenberry, they live in Columbia, South Carolina. That's where the company's based out of. They really boomed in the last couple of years, but I met them at a CCA banquet afterwards, and I had had the opportunity. I was that close to getting on with a really big apparel company, and I had just left my full-time job. Oh. And long story short on that, they were kind of at a, a point where they had really boomed, and they were like, well, we love this guy. Two years ago, he'd have been on, but we can't do it. So two weeks later was when I found myself at that banquet and somebody gave me a shirt to wear. I was like, I really like this shirt. And they're like, well, the owners are standing right there. So I ended up walking over there and shook hands with Patrick Stamps and told him who well, I was. And I'm a nobody, nobody <laughs> country music singer. There. In the late 2018. And he took his koozie off his beer and handed it to me. And so i well, consider this the first part of our partnership. If you weren't coming to me, I was coming to talk to you. Oh, wow. And beginning of 2019, we started working together and, I love wearing their stuff, but also they make all my merchandise. That's awesome. So with hats, shirts, koozies, and we were about to be on their website, and then COVID hit, and they were, they were kind of switching up their website. So we've been on about a year hiatus, but I talked to him yesterday, and we're about to get all that rock and roll. Because I got people all the time asking, where, where can I buy your merch? And I got, like, logos on my hats. And uh, it seems like everybody that wears my camouflage hats either kills a deer or <laughs> kills a turkey. So I think they're good luck, personally but we're working on that. So yeah, we got some really good sponsors behind us. Local boys, just one of those many.
0: That's awesome. That really it just shows, you know, just if if you like something, just go up to the person, just ask for it, grab it, grab it whilst you can.
1: Well, you gotta be delicate doing that. You don't want to be too forceful or asking for something. <laughs> but it, That was more, I think that was more of a right place at the right time. And it yeah. was the right setting. Um, And I was a little bit brash. I felt a little bit out of line because I'm not that kind of person to hit somebody up. And and, in the world of Instagram influencers nowadays, there's so many companies that get request after request from people. And the sad part is that there's people who legitimately, I'm sure they would benefit from partnering with, but there's just so many that they get lost in the masses. Yeah uh, so I'm, I'm a believer in face-to-face contact, handshakes and a lot could be sold over a beer. So that was just one of those right place at the right time moments.
0: No, definitely. I mean, this past year, year and a half now, with the whole covid lock <clears throat> with the whole covid lockdown, it's been I can imagine it's been difficult to kind of engage face-to-face with people and trying to organize these these deals whether it's going to be a gig, whether it's going to be a festival or whether it's going to be a partnership. I bet it's been a bit you know, touch and go.
1: It has. It's it's frustrating because what I do best is boots on the ground in person. Yeah. Um, But it's, it's knock on wood, as we were talking about uh, before everything started, is that things are starting to open back up. They've they've been opening a little bit more here in South Carolina than they have elsewhere. But as that's happening, I can feel kind of the wind back in the sails. And I'm telling you, I'm ready to hit the road and this album drop taking music to, to new fans and, get back to where we left off May, March 16th, 2020.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I, I cannot wait for things to just be completely normal and almost back to how it was kind of before. I mean, I like, I kind of like the everybody keeping clean now and actually washing themselves. It's kind of nice. I, I'm so OCD. I think I was that way before. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, April 16th. You brought out "Selma by Sundown."
1: We did, and so far, I've been getting a lot of good reviews on it, which is which is awesome. And so- it was a long time coming. That was another one of those COVID delays, but I'm glad it happened because we ended up writing uh, one of the songs on there that would not have been included had it come out last June.
0: Which song was that? "Black and White." Really?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I wrote "Black and White." I believe in June or July of summer of 2020. Yeah, and it was just kind of one of those songs about common sense and good people, and it's it's a beautiful song. And had it had it not been for, it really just timing wise, then that would have never never occurred.
0: Who sings on "Black and White" with you? I'm sure there's another vocal in there. It's almost like a bluesy yeah, yeah, yeah. Motowny voice.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's my buddy Byron Addison. He, he's awesome
0: he's you both both your voices kind of melt together and you've got that real real husky country twang to your voice and he's got that like bluesy kind of motowny jazzy something about it that just screams wow and then when you're both sing together it was like i mean i've been listening to somebody sundown all all week getting ready for this and Black and White, and there's another two that I absolutely adore, Cajun Wind and Wadmalaw Saturday Night. They're awesome. They're my, my kind of favorites at the moment, but it's been changing. It's been going backwards and forwards all week.
1: Well, I appreciate you listening to it so intently, man. That's awesome.
0: Now, Cajun Wind is very outlawish, very... Very, 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 not sinister, but there's. there seems to be like a dark element to it.
1: It is. It's, it's a swampy, ominous groove. Yeah. I think might be the right description. Yeah. So my, my producer, Joe Taylor, wrote that song. And there was actually an artist named Rochelle Harper that cut it. She, she's Cajun, lives in Louisiana. I, I think it's Louisiana, maybe Mississippi. But either way, she, she's a phenomenal vocalist, way better than myself. But when I heard that song, I was like, I want to cut that. Yeah. So we dropped it down a couple keys. And we played it live a couple of times and it went over really well. But when we brought it to the studio, I remember Joe kind of turned around looked at me and he said, I kind of want to bring Metallica into this. <laughs> and I was like, do it. Why not? And, I, and I knew sequencing wise it was going to be the last one on the album. So I was like, let's just do it. And it turned out it was the perfect fit. Even though it's a slower swamp groove to it, it gives it that. It'd be a great music video or, or some kind of movie thing. And the song ultimately is talking about how you catch your, your wife after the wedding ceremony with the best man. Yeah. And so you kill him,
0: And so <laughs> exactly. Le Fon
1: Poulet. I, I didn't know this, but Le Fon Poulet is the, and you can look it up, is the essence of the Swamp Lights, basically. It's, it's soul's escape from purgatory in Cajun Folklore. So there's a definite voodoo aspect to that song.
0: Dang. I mean, voodoo and the kind of like black magic and all that stuff is very prominent around like the Louisiana New Orleansy area. So it's very fitting, very, very topical as well, very on topic. I like it.
1: Well, it is, and then I'm I'm based out of Low Country here, and there's there's Low Country has its own folklore in South Carolina. Oh yeah. Oh. And so we we call I don't know I don't know what you call ghosts there, but in the Low Country you call them haints. Really. H A I N T S, Haints. Hanks. Haints. Yep, a uh, haint. So a lot of times down here, you'll see people putting blue paint over the windows, which is, to, it, they call it haint blue, is to keep the, the the ghost away from your houses. If you if you live on an old plantation or there's a lot of history involved down here. So it, it's really a cool place to be based out of. And I've written a bunch, obviously I'm based out of here. And a lot of my inspiration comes from walking through the swamps chasing turkeys or sitting on a dock somewhere looking over an old old rice impoundment. And uh, so it kind of ties it all together.
0: That's fascinating. Why blue out of all the colors?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> that that I can't answer. I don't know. I'm sure there is a reason, but it's a very pastel colored blue. And we've been trying to come up with a name for the band. So if everybody asks me, well, what's the name of your band? Well, it's Andrew Beam. I'm the artist. But I think it's the Hagrid and Hanks. Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah. That that, I mean, we we call them obviously ghost schools and spirits over here. So it's Haints is very. I'm, I'm this is gonna be my Google search issue for tonight. It's just gonna be all about the kind of different folklores and tales around Louisiana, New um, New Orleans, North and South Carolina, all around that kind of like bay areas. Oh, that, that that's me sorted for the rest. No, actually, the weekend. I'm gonna be sorted for the weekend. I'm happy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I actually, I tried to channel, like, American Horror Story. Yeah. When it came to production value for Cajun win, um, and so there's a lot with that, too, but there, you'll find all sorts of, a lot of people will put colanders over their door handles. Now, this is old folklore now. I don't know anybody doing it nowadays, but they'll put colanders, like a strainer, over the door handle because the spirit can't find out which keyhole, it will go. go through the keyhole and spend all night long going through all the holes in the bolt.
0: Oh,
1: or I've heard about putting a broom in the corner because they they count the uh, uh, I guess individual thistles or whatever of the broom, so they call it like a witch's broom. Yeah. But the getting back to the band name, I'm not sure if I want to call it the Haggard Hanks, like Merle Haggard, kind of <laughs> a tip of the hat name, but that's kind of cliche. Or if I want to call it Haggridden Hanks, because the hag, if you want to get down to more kind of folklore, is if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night or, or, some point in time and you feel like you can't move, but you're awake, yeah. you feel like somebody holding you down. Now science will explain that, that, well, your body's still asleep, but your consciousness is still is alert. A lot of people will tell you otherwise. And that, that, but that supernatural phenomenon is known as the hag. Yeah. So they say oh, the old lady or the witch holding you down and it's freaky. I mean, if it's ever happened to you, it's not a fun experience. So, I think Hagrid and Hanks is, a, is an awesome band name, personally, especially since we're not in Nashville, and we're kind of this uh, know, new school outlaw country, if you will.
0: Yeah, I mean, oh, what was I watching? Um, Haunting of, uh, not blind Manor, Haunting of Hill House. And one of the characters there suffers with that kind of like sleep paralysis. And right,
1: yeah, yeah, sleep paralysis, right.
0: I've, I've never suffered with it myself. And just watching TV, watching people suffer with it, seemed really daunting, like, I just, oh, it freaks me out, just, oh. Yeah, yeah. Now, you just referenced there, um, a bit about what we were talking about just before we started, because one of the questions I asked was, you know, are you, are you from, Nash- you know, are you, are you in Nashville at the moment? And you know. so you're originally from North Carolina, what was it that kind of, it. what kind of, what, what was it that made you go towards South Carolina then, and, and how you met your producer? So I'm from North Carolina,
1: and I went to high school in South Carolina, and then I went to Clemson University. All right. And I graduated Clemson in 2014. I went into Clemson pre med. I wanted to be an orthodontist, and I had the grades to do it. I just honestly, every time I was outside, I just I felt like I was where I needed to be. So I switched to wildlife biology. And got my first taste of law enforcement. So I was a park ranger while I was at Clemson as a co-op with the Corps of Engineers. And then from there, I got hired on with DNR in South Carolina, which is the Department of Natural Resources. So I was a game warden. Yeah. And a game warden is, it's basically enforces hunting, fishing, and boating law. And if I'm not mistaken, so my bass player, Brian Stanley, is, is from England, and over there y'all have water bailiffs is that right
0: yes uh making sure people have got rod licenses all that kind of stuff
1: so that that's pretty much what i did and i I thought that i was going to do that for a career i love that job and i've always played guitar and i've had people my entire life like man you need to go do that you need to go to nashville what are you doing work with the not making anything but i love being a game board so much i was like man you're crazy well, I got to Charleston. That's, that's, that's how I got down here. They sent me to Charleston was my assignment. Yeah. And I took it with open arms and decided because being from the mountains of North Carolina, I don't know anything about the ocean <laughs> or any, anything down here. And I know that there's ample opportunity for hunting an entire new thing of fishing. I'm a huge fisherman. So I did that for three and a half years and somewhere about halfway in there, I, I was playing guitar around here and I pulled over enough people that were like, man. You're that guy that plays country music, <laughs> traditional country music, at bars. Like, I love that, and I've heard your own stuff, too. I mean, are you, what are you trying to do with this? And eventually enough people said that, and it just – nothing has changed as far as I was concerned. We've got the best – now, I may not be the the biggest on social media as far as numbers go, but I promise you, anybody that is, is part of my being country family, I'll go to war with. And it just keeps on growing everywhere we play. So it, we've just really been fortunate we've got this huge – just support group pushing us to, to where we need to be. Yeah. And I, I was very close to moving to Nashville and I was actually playing a party in the backyard to get back to how I met my producer for uh, the guy that trained me when I worked as a game warden. And he said, man, what are you trying to do with this? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to to make waves somewhere and I'm moving to Nashville first of the year. Now this would have been uh, the beginning of 2017. He said, well, I got a buddy of mine you need to meet. So two days later, I, I met with Joe Taylor and we kind of never stopped since. So we, we put a couple of singles out and we actually ended up redoing a couple of those singles. So when we dropped the album, everything has been remastered, redone. And it's on a whole new level from, from anything else we put out. So we're very excited about having this album.
0: Yeah. How long have you been singing for then? You know, before you actually started to pursue it as, as the career side.
1: So I've been playing guitar since I was 11. I didn't start singing until, I would say, late high school, maybe 17, 18. Yeah. And about the time I started songwriting, but when I say not serious, I mean, I didn't, (laughs) even four years ago, I would have laughed if you had told me that I'd be doing this full time. Yeah. And so it just kind of, it's always been there. It was the obvious answer that I just openly turned a blind eye to, and uh, it just kind of transformed into – I think enough people gave it to me and I realized that there was definitely a potential to to make some bigger things happen.
0: Please tell me, please tell me that you've got some of your original songs that you ever first wrote. Like the ones that you kind of like, you want to screw up and throw away, but you kind of keep it to one side because it's nostalgia.
1: To be honest, I still play them.
0: Ah, dear. See, yeah, just... I, I'm a
1: really weird writer. I don't write, I don't have a, a stack that thick of songs that I write every day. But I I like to think what we write is generally pretty good substance. So the first song I ever wrote, I think I was 16 or 17, was about a pickup truck I had at the time. It was about my 86 Chevrolet. And it's called The Girl I Love. So I remember I was on a beach trip in high school with some buddies of mine and and our parents. And I said, I'm going to go out here and write a song about – I'd gone through a breakup at the time and i'm gonna go write a song about a girl my buddy's dad looks at me and he says man that girl ain't gonna be there for you that truck's gonna be there a lot longer write a song about a truck <laughs> so i already have the first and so you can't find this song i mean i took a lot of the old youtube stuff down just because i didn't want any if somebody was looking for us for basically to book us or for promotion i want everything to be somewhat professional and up to date yeah. Um, but if you go back I'm sure there's some videos Out there of, of those older songs And I've got short hair No beard I mean I look Completely different um, But the girl I love Is basically about My 86 Chevrolet So the girl I love Has three speeds A dent in the door And camouflage seats She gets me where I'm going Just fine And people still request That at shows I've got a couple more One's called My Kind of Life That I wrote When I was at Clemson In 2012 But the Beam in Me Which is on the album I wrote when I was at Clemson Really? So that was a 2012 song.
0: Bloody hell. Oh, wow.
1: So I had, I had all these songs and it was really, I mean, when I say a hobby, 100%. And then everything got real, real quick. So in May of 2018, I quit DNR and hit the ground running playing music. And when COVID hit last year, I had been doing this a year and 10 months.
0: What was it like then when you handed in your notice and said, you know what, I'm I'm done with this, I'm pursuing music. What was that kind of feeling like for you?
1: refreshing <laughs> uh, I, I think it was just because I, I like being the underdog and I and I to this day I still do it's very frustrating because I don't have a, a a team that does my social media I mean I make my own posters Joe pretty much handles my booking along with me when I when I have to I try we tried to um push that kind of to the side but um it's basically myself and Joe Taylor and, and we're running everything so a lot of days it's frustrating but just knowing I, I, I remember laying awake at night when I used to work for the state and it would drive me crazy. I was like, I've got to go pursue this and I know it's not going to fail one way or the other. I mean, obviously have good days and bad days, but into this day, I know it's not going to fail. It's it's days like today. And I'm like, all right, we're still here a year and a month later after the world kind of stopped turning. And we had so much momentum going in the last year that I spent every waking second agonizing over how to get that back. And I'm sure every other musician out there does too, but, um, I, I still think that just taking that leap from leaving the full-time job is what a lot of people fail to do yeah that was the best thing I ever did and I still talk because I knew I could if I wanted to go back and do that I could and that's why you try to leave on good terms and keep your relationships up and I still I just got right before you and I started talking on this podcast I just got off the phone with the game warden to train me and we probably talked I would I would chance to say almost every day
0: that's, that's awesome I mean, I I don't think I speak with half the people I used to work with, you know, in previous jobs. I think i will just cut them all out.
1: Well, that's one thing, too, about being a game warden is that it's like any law enforcement. It's not really just a job. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And you, you become brothers with whoever or sisters with whoever you're working with. And that's lifelong. And if I don't go a month or two months without talking to somebody or like my first sergeant, if I hadn't seen him in a year and I see him, we'd pick right back up where we left off. And so was very fortunate that my life has led me down that path to where you look back and go, nobody has that story. Nobody's <laughs> done that. Um, and my hat's off to everybody that's still doing that because right now I'd be, instead of killing turkeys in the woods, I'd be chasing turkey hunters trying to kill turkeys.
0: <laughs> oh, you could have been an orthodontist.
1: Yeah, a absolutely miserable inside. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I love being a musician. I've got the best job in the world and... Uh, I'm just ready for it to start rocking and rolling,
0: which it is. That's awesome. That really is awesome. Now I want to go into another song called "Country Ain't Dead." Now,
1: right, so that, go ahead.
0: Now I was just going to say, I've got to say, I love the still slide. I love the still slide, but "Country Ain't Dead" really. Adds that kind of like haunting element to the whole, the way it's incorporated throughout the whole track. You know, not only just the actual physicality of it, but the way it's incorporated with the lyrics as well.
1: Yeah, so that was my slogan for a long time because there's a lot of artists now. The pendulum always swings back and forth in Nashville or Texas or wherever. Now it's kind of everywhere because of social media. But the pendulum's always swinging, but. 2017 and 18, there was not a whole lot of hope, in my opinion, for traditional sound and country music. Yeah. Uh, Cody Jinks was out there. Sturwood Simpson was out there when he was doing his country thing and was pretty unknown unless it was somebody who listens to music all the time like myself or I'm, I'm sure you do the same. And I remember somebody maybe may said that at a show and was like, man, country ain't dead. And I was like, that's great. I mean, because basically, they're like, you can bring it back is what they were getting at. Yeah. So that was that was my hashtag for if you if you go search on Instagram, country ain't dead. I'm sure you will find all sorts of old content. Um, and finally, uh, after about a year and a half of using that, a buddy of mine gets, you know, do you have a song called that? So actually, I don't, but I guess I need to write one. And I listened to a bunch of old Kenny Chesney albums from like '94, '95, '96
0: era. Yeah.
1: And I, I love that honky tonk sound, which really. Kenny wasn't huge back then because he kind of sounded like everybody else, whether it's Mark Chestnut or any of the true 90s sounds. And it's, it's genius with what he did kind of following his own path going towards the the coastal country, which I, I'm a huge Kenny Chesney fan. But I was listening to the old albums. I was like, man, this is really, I didn't realize he had some of these songs. And so I was like, I got to make Country Ain't Dead kind of a honky-tonk, boot-stomping anthem. And so I'd listened to a couple of those soundtracks and just had a groove in my head. And i obviously i want to write my own but um came up with that and then the the haunting aspect of it comes out in the studios so that's where joe's just great it's great writing with joe as well because we can take it from notepad to studio immediately whereas if i write something it might be a great concept but joe's got to rearrange it and get it to where it's aesthetically more pleasing to the listener yeah but that's how they came about i wish i could tell you it was a some kind of personal experience, but I really just wanted to write it about every country boy and girl can feel that one. You're next to a bonfire, hanging out with your friends, and there's some good country music playing, and you drive a four wheel drive. I mean, I think that's uh, about as the epitome of, of a country song as you can get.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, just quickly while she was talking, then I just typed in "country ain't dead," and there's some great photos. There are some. I mean, there's quite a few fish.
1: Is there a bunch of fish on there under under country? Ain't dead.
0: There's quite uh, people going fishing. I think yourself as well. Um,
1: I, I'm gonna look too. I hadn't looked in a long time. Um,
0: there's um, there is a picture of yourself in particular as well, posing with a amp, a bud uh, bud wiser, and a. It's almost like a turquoisey blue guitar.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that would be, uh, yeah, that's my electric guitar. That's the one that's sitting right back in the corner right there.
0: I see it now. See, it's all. Yeah, so
1: what we did with that guitar, and yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's a bunch of fish. Yeah, it's majority of it's. Yeah, me or yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, you can scroll and go way back on the archives on that one. But what we do with that guitar is we took the we took the pick guard off. And we sunk it In the river down here Yeah Which is salt water So it grew barnacles on it Really So there's actually, Yeah I'll grab it There's actually barnacles On the pit guard So I call it Davy Jones's Telecaster And so that's kind of A reference back to The whole low country Saltwater cowboy Thing that we're doing um, And that song Called Three Sheets the, the last chorus to it Is I'm bound for Davy Jones' jukebox In the end Yeah um, So basically meaning and I wrote that song On the ocean
0: is, is that the one that's almost got like a sea shanty sound to it? Like a, uh, almost like a pirates of the Caribbean. There's a song.
1: Yo, yeah. yo, uh, yes. for me. And that's what, that's what I had in my head when I so I was on a patrol when I got that song idea. Really? And I was headed off. Oh yeah. I was on a shrimp trawler patrol and I was headed offshore. And I think my girlfriend and I watched pirates of the Caribbean the night before or something. And, I just had the yo-ho in my head because obviously I'm getting splashed with salt water. (laughs) I I, I knew, I I started having this kind of desire to leave my job and go play music. And I just had this, I think a honky-tonk life is for me. And then just my imagination started running wild a little bit. And I was like, I'm kind of, I think if I go down this route, I wonder if I could write a song that parallels kind of being a pirate, taking no prisoners and taking over to where basically my name's going to be I, I don't know about. A, I would say legendary, but you may maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. People are going to know who I am, I guess, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do we're going to do our own thing, and, and I think that's kind of what I had in my mind. So the song parallels like trading my rudder for a drummer. Um, I got dreams to chase and places to be, and so it talks about you know staging a, a bill billboard mutiny. So everybody that's fed up with what's going on with billboard and country with all this pop sound. Was a stage of mutiny. Let's overthrow it. And yeah. so um, it was kind of funny that I had a review. Uh, one guy that reviewed the album said, made a comment about uh, Three Sheets was a rare misstep and said, bringing back honky tonk pirate music in, in uh, parentheses shutter. And then it said, it's as bad as Jack Sparrow, or I'm um, bad as Johnny Depp trying to bring back Jack Sparrow from the dead as Tonto. And I'm like, did the guy listen to the songs? I, I think he was misinformed. It's not about bringing back honky tonk pirate music. It's just a, it's a honky tonk song I wrote on the ocean, and three sheets is just a play on getting really drunk. You know, three sheets to the wind.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So it's yeah, whatever. People hear songs different ways, how they want to hear them. But if you listen to that song, the whole thing is just really a metaphor about going and playing music and chasing your dreams.
0: No, exactly. I mean, I got I definitely got the feel of the ocean and. Being out on the water, I didn't realize he was out you know chasing people, making sure people were not breaking the law basically that is that's fascinating i, mean, it's and a- and my, I think
1: my, yeah my my whole story is sort of oxy, oxymoronic because i I myself am a a pretty in the law kind of guy, especially coming from law enforcement uh that we are so outlaw and a lot of i don't know a, a lot of since we are kind of been I mean not kind of we are in South Carolina we're heading towards the direction we're in a lot of people call call cops on us especially during the COVID times for quarantine because we had too many who knows whatever people were just trying to shut down our shows people were jumping on stuff and a lot of people told me like man if you don't have haters you're not doing something right and I'm like what because that's not my personality like they would just drink a beer with me and they'd realize that I'm not out to get anybody I'm just I, I take my job very seriously and I love my music and I love my fans. And I think a lot of people misconstrue that to, uh, stuff. So it is kind of funny to be such such an, an in-law country if <laughs> you will, to be an outlaw, but I, I take it in stride. It's cool.
0: Oh, look at you. <laughs> such a rebel, eh? you just out there trying yeah. to cause mayhem.
1: Yeah. I just want to play my music for my friends.
0: <laughs> it's fascinating what you say, though. You know, you d- I remember listening to Bobby Bones on one of the radio, uh, I think it was on, obviously he's got a syndicated show and I think I was listening on KJ 97 in San Antonio at the time. And he was saying that if you don't have haters or if you don't have people kind of trying to put you down, then have you really made it? Because for every one person that gives you a negative comment, you're going to have thousands, tens of thousands, however many that are giving you positive comments, but not saying them out loud. So when you've got those negatives coming in, you just think about the positives that aren't being said because people are quick to say negative things. I mean, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you get a bad meal, you're more likely going to say this meal's bad rather than saying, oh, I enjoyed that meal. Thank you.
1: hundred and, percent. And he's exactly right. I, I think just my personality type, I'm, I, I let those things fuel me. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me want to make it that much harder because I'm just like, all right, you, th- you think I've got a fake twang? Well, all right. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going keep doing. It. I'm gonna keep going on with my twangy self. But you're you're exactly right. For for every one of those comments, a lot of times I'll, I'll just remove them because I, I want to keep everything positive and I don't ever want to badmouth anybody. I'm, I'm even I'm very hesitant. If You have noticed? I say traditional country because I the country out there right now in the mainstream is not bad music. I think it's very good music. And there's some artists like Riley Green, Luke Combs, making it very good. <laughs> back back to country. But um. I think that a lot of times I, I remove those comments, not not for me, it's it's to save that person. Because if if my buddies or my true fans see that, they're gonna run that guy off social media. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that's that's really why I try to do it as well. Just just to keep everything positive. But you're exactly right. I mean, for everyone, you've got so many of them. It's just you gotta let it roll right off. But again, it it fuels me, it keeps things in perspective and just makes me want it that much more
0: look at you being the good Samaritan as well. Not only are you a lawbreaker, but you're a good Samaritan as well. It's so many different contradictions here. I don't know where to look. Right. (laughs) I mean, it is so so easy to get into these kind of arguments with people online. You know, the people that kind of are looking for that argument. It's so easy just to bite and give them what they want, but you do the right thing by just getting rid of them, just get shut of them and just move on to the positivity.
1: Exactly, and that's that's the only way to be. I mean, because if it wasn't for what I do for a living, I don't think I'd even have a social media.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. But but um, there's definitely positives
1: too. I mean, you and I are, are are talking right now because of it, so that's that's awesome. But I think that it has caused a lot of problems and a lot of identity crises for people everywhere.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, just going by what you just said there, you know, the fact that we're talking now, it's crazy how in a time that everything is going kind of pear-shaped, everything's going wrong, everything's kind of coming crashing down with all the gigs closing, all the you know venues shutting down. We're still managing to A, make music. We're still actually getting out there to the public, whether you're doing live streams or whether you've got to a small socially distanced gig. We're still making these kind of connections through like the media that we've got zoom skype google meets facetime whatsapp video whatever you're using you know we're still connecting and i mean we're what four five thousand miles away from each other
1: i'm sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy exactly it's it's what six six forty over there uh six forty one yeah six forty yeah so it's uh it's, it's 20 till two here so yeah
0: what what have you got planned for the afternoon? Have you got a special planned?
1: I'm probably gonna take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've been up since uh, I think I got up this morning at like four fifteen. Rockstar um, life, so probably take a nap and then. But yeah, but uh, that's turkey hunt life. <laughs> so now that I've tagged out, I can I can get back to more focus on on the work. But uh, I'm just looking forward to, to playing this weekend and and again we got some some really good shows coming up. But I'm getting the album out there and spread is. is The next step, the next key to that. And whether it's just texting my buddies, which is still kind of a funny thing back on the social media aspect of things, I wish I had jumped on that whenever I first started playing live for fun. Yeah. Because that's when things were, it wasn't an algorithm, it was exponential. So somebody shared something, then it got around everywhere, everybody, all all stuff, because it was real time. Whereas now, and I would say more so with the COVID shutdown because now everybody's on it and everybody's paying to get out. There's buddies of mine that have no idea I dropped an album. Even though I've posted about it and I've done advertisements for it and done all this stuff, they're like, I didn't know you were playing at Windjammer. I didn't know you were doing this. Or So I still try to keep that very real. If I think if somebody crosses my mind, I'll shoot them a text. Yeah. I'll call them and just, hey, man, what's going on? So. Again, my, my boots on the ground, old school organic marketing is still very alive and real. Um, but it's crazy how some people can see stuff and a lot of people won't.
0: I mean, it must, it, it must be so frustrating as well because p- things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they, well, I'm not sure about Twitter, but Facebook and Instagram, they tend to have these algorithms where you, if you post a lot of pictures or videos or whatever, only a certain percentage of, percentage of that will go to your actual feed and people will see only a small percent of what you're actually posting. Whereas, you know, you look back, you know, two, three, four years ago, people used to be able to see everything. It must be kind of daunting in a sense that when you want to release something, and the only way that you can kind of promote it is by doing these kind of like podcast chats, radio chats, um, doing Facebook interviews, doing Instagram Lives, whatever you do. But yet, in the back of your mind, you kind of know that not everybody's going to get to see that.
1: Yeah, and the only way to get them to see it is to pay for it. And I'm not sure what amount of money you have to have to outcompete the competition, but I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I also found it interesting that, so there's no doubt that social media knows what I do for a living. They know that I'm a a starving artist. If I post something music-related, versus if i post a picture of a candle that picture of that candle will get 300 likes picture of my music will get 60
0: yeah oh, so definitely. it's very
1: very interesting how censored it is which kudos to them i mean they're, they're crushing it as far as from a business aspect um and a lot of people get mad but i mean at some point in time you knew it was going to happen i just i was the one that was not smart enough to be done that five years ago impressed it because i'd probably have 150,000 instagram followers
0: we've solved it we've solved it what you need to do is you need to post a video of a candle but play your music in the background the problem is they pick
1: they pick up on that because they'll silence the video asking if you own the rights to it
0: <sighs> how dare ugh. crazy
1: yeah it, uh, I, I actually get notifications if i post a video whether it's a song playing in the background, or an actually whatever. If I'm actually playing the song, it will give me a notification that says your audio has been muted.
0: That's is, this is the reason why I don't usually use Facebook as much. It's frustrating. I mean, I I mainly go on Instagram. Yeah. I've been on Clubhouse recently. I don't know if you've used the app or if you've got an iPhone, but people with iPhones can use an app called Clubhouse. And what you do is you talk to executives like around the country uh, around the world and different people within, like, different sectors. So you can speak with people who are in the radio industry, in production, in mixing and mastering, um, singers, songwriters, people who play the music. It's really fascinating. That's cool. So, yeah, so, social media is just such a... It's a vast wonderland. It's, it's amazing in one aspect, but it's so crap in the other. It's just so rubbish in the sense of it's very limiting, but yet it takes so much time.
1: It is a necessary evil, and it does. I mean, it's it blows my mind how much time it takes. And as I mentioned before, I do my own social media and my own posters. But just coming up with something creative to to press the new album or, or to push something, push anything, it is a lot of time, and it makes you wonder. It's like I wonder how productive things were before this happened. I could have been writing songs <laughs> in in the two hours it took me to uh, to make a poster to post. But it, it's a necessary evil in today's world, and you got to adapt and roll with it. But I don't pay for any followers. All my stuff is 100% real. And it's pretty crazy to... I can do whatever strategy you can name to try to grow it. But as soon as I get out there and play, that's when the followers go up.
0: Yeah. It just shows that it's not about quantity, it's about the quality. And you want people to stick with you rather than having, say, 40,000 followers and only 2% listen Whereas you could have four thousand followers and three thousand people listen. You know, well, and you, get, you get
1: yeah, and you get a lot of people too who have fake accounts that are not fake accounts. Fake followers they'll they'll pay for the followers. Yeah, so they say all right, well, I've got, well, I've got forty thousand followers. When they're talking to a promoter, then that's what the promoter looks at or used to look at. I think a lot harder. And so now, I mean, I think I've only got like thirty five hundred. But at the same time, it's like, well, go listen to the music or, or, or a live show, compare a live show. And so, yeah, it's, it's it's strange. But I think the the playing field is being level because a lot of people are more, I, I guess, it's been brought to a lot more people's attention. They know about it. Yeah. So it's not as heavily weighted as it was before.
0: It, I mean, it, it's so counterproductive, though, getting these followers and getting these bots. Because when you're posting these you know, promo shots, yes, you might have 40,000 followers, but if you've only got like five likes per post, it, it kind of like screens something that something's not quite right. And it kind of makes right. you look you a bit crap tell. as well.
1: Oh, yeah, you can, tell, you can tell who's real and who's not by doing just that. Because, I mean, like you said, you click on something, they've got 30 likes and they got 30,000 followers. It's like, well, I've got more than that. I've only got 3,000.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. It's either that uh, or they're just yeah. not
1: engaging. But I do need I do need somebody there with a, you know a legitimate following. Just just share one song, and then hopefully then we'll get the, the organic following going there.
0: Well, that that's exactly what it is though. Is that organic following? It's about making sure that people are listening. You know, it's about the streams because in a world that's full of a streaming world through Spotify or Apple Music you as an artist you don't get paid as much as what it used to be when it was just you know physical sales whether it was album vinyl cassette etc right you know it, it it's about getting the listening you know getting the listening numbers up and you mentioned the beam in me earlier the beam in Me is one of your top songs on spotify this is
1: yeah it is and we got to um make sure that the new version syncs those numbers in mm-hmm. but even then it- it's kind of that same smoke and mirrors effect. So there, I know of a lot of artists who have got five devices all day long, 24-7, constantly streaming those music to inflate those numbers. Yeah. Which is, it's the same thing with, you, know, you said I'm getting that. Um, so even that's sometimes hard to go by, but I would like to thank ours are, are not that, obviously, but
0: no, yours are there amazing. are a
1: lot of out that do that to inflate it. But uh, speaking of the hard copies, so you see these boxes over here? Yep. Those are all CDs. So not only is it available digitally, we did press actual product to have in hand. And I don't even own a CD player, but just the fact that I'm old school, we went ahead and pressed those just just to make a point out of it. And uh, we actually sold a pretty good at 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 the show.
0: That's it. I mean, it's really nice to have something to hold. I mean. You know, it's one of the things I like to buy. I mean, I haven't got a vinyl player anymore. Mine got broke years ago. But yet, I am still I still buy people's vinyls. Because awesome. I just love the feel. I love the whole cover arts. I love everything that comes with it. Same with CDs as well. You know, I remember back in the day getting CDs and you'd be able to open it up. And same with tapes as well. I used to pull out a leaflet. It's got the whole lyric sheets and it's got a bit about the artist. And it's like, you've got something in your hand. It's something that you can physically say I've got this music, this music is now mine in a sense.
1: Yeah, 100%. We, we almost press vinyl. The problem is that the price it takes to do that and the amount you would get, and it weighs a lot too. So I would have stacks of vinyl under my bed forever. So <laughs> when we make it big, I will be pressing vinyl, don't worry. But in the meantime, we got a thousand CDs. Well, less than that now. For, I don't know, it's probably around 900. Um, but we, we split ready for a week. Um, but I, I think there is a lot to be said about that for sure especially your, you know, big big fans are, are going to want that and that's just something else to either sign or I think it's, it's very special but it's, you don't want to forget where music came from for sure
0: How much do the CDs go for? And is it international shipping? That's a good question I
1: haven't looked into international shipping they go for $10 at the show I do know that um, $10 at the show and they're $15 shipped I'm not sure how international it is but I can look into it and let you
0: know yeah, give, give me a right, shout. I mean, awesome. I'll I'll post it on social media, and I'll buy totally. one myself.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I'll definitely do that. I'll be cheering
0: for it. But yeah, people, you know, check out merch sites. Check out check out artists. You know, in general, this is you know, check out the merch sites. Check out the music. The actual physicalities of things because the music directly goes to the artist. You know, whereas yeah. then you've got to pay your kind of like fees to wherever you've got the production done. If it's CDs, you've already have you already paid for the thousand cds that have been pressed
1: so it was very very fortunate we had a sponsor step in and pay for the cds so we have carolina custom baits which is an offshore bait company yeah that is made in carolina Good buddy of mine has that he asked probably about a year ago uh how he could help because he wanted to get into to helping out with everything and i said man it was the perfect time and i said well here's an opportunity and so if you look on the back cover of the first thousand cds his logo's on there yeah so Big shout out to Carolina Custom Base on that one. But yeah, so if if it wasn't everybody in our corner, man, we couldn't do it. We We got some really great people behind us.
0: That's always the issue as well, is when you're bringing out CDs and whenever you're creating the music as well, you need that kind of money behind you to begin with because it costs so much to not only press CDs, but when you go back a step, when you're actually recording your vocals, getting the studio time, getting the session musicians in, everything costs so much.
1: Well, and, and even so, we, we dropped the music video for You Should See the Other Guy. And I don't know if you check that out or not. If not, check it out on YouTube. So. I've not
0: checked it out. I'm
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so we dropped the music video, and that, and that was paid for by Rigged Up Motorsports, which is the sister company to Palmetto 4 by 4 and we picked them up this year. So they deal like Can Am side by side. You'll see it. They're, they're awesome, awesome side by sides. But just doing that, and you, and you got to have that for your media material. So if you don't, and you got to have quality over quantity on that one, in my opinion as well, because people are going to, if it's a good video, they're going to continue to watch it. Yeah. Um, but you talk about cost on that. I would I would love to have a music video for every song, but you're, you're talking about a huge financial back. And I opened up for Aaron Tippin in 2018 and his road manager at the time, I, don't know, I assume he's still the same guy works for an artist development company out of Nashville. And he was telling me, that they would not even look at anybody unless they had a quarter million dollars in startup funds.
0: <laughs> oh
1: just no. startup funds. But if you think about it though, say you come with even just a four song EP. Yeah. So you're probably looking <clears throat> ten to fifteen thousand dollars for a quarter. And then if you do a music for every one of those, you're probably talking five to ten grand per video. Yeah. And then you for advertisement to get all that product that you paid for out there. So it really, it adds up quick. I mean, that, that's Very a ton of money. I, I, don't, I don't know who gets back like that. It certainly is not not us. I wouldn't want that. And it's just, uh, we do sponsorships to where I, I want it to benefit everybody. And so if I'm on stage rocking a local boy hat, it would surprise you, it amaze you how many, all of a sudden now everybody out in the crowd has got a local boy shirt on. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. And I never want to get away from that Um, but yeah, it's, it's a wild business. You got, you got some people that, uh, definitely have some, some big backers and I I just want to play music and the demand to get high enough to where it, it happens on its own. That's the goal.
0: So the final few minutes then, out of your newest album, what would you say has been your, the most difficult one to write and record? On summer by sundown,
1: <laughs> Simile
0: Oh yeah and,
1: and maybe not in the way you would think So writing that song Zach, was actually a blast So a buddy of mine, Dupree Little Was a co-writer on that song And he called me one day and said I got an idea for a song, I want you to make it a puzzle I'm like alright, well, what's that? He said well, write a song, make it a love song Using all similes A like or as statement for pretty much the entirety of the song. So we had an entire list of similes. So if you go back and look at the lyrics, bright as sunshine through a windowsill, fueled to a fire, nothing quite like the thrill, steady as the hands of a time clock marching on. She strikes like lightning, she's soft like rain, tin roof tapping as the night turns to day. So the whole thing is, was really a puzzle to write, but I, I love the challenge of it, but it ended up being and I channeled it about my, uh, about Caitlin. Yeah. And so I played that for some friends and they were just like, "When is that song coming out? And at the time I had <laughs> zero plans of ever cutting that song. And so I brought it to Joe and with a little bit of arrangement on there, he was like, well, we're cutting this. Yeah. So I, I literally went into the studio with one mic and it was an afternoon that we had, i don't know what working on some other songs or writing some songs and he was like all right well just play this song for me in the arrangement that we had just so i know what it sounds like because he didn't even know the song so i played the track and i got done and he was like good luck topping that <laughs> and i laughed because i was like whatever i was not even trying to sing it and from a production aspect My guitar wasn't even mic'd up. It was one mic in the corner of the room just so he could sonically hear what it sounded like. I mean, not not even sonically, so he could literally hear the song. Yeah. So I came back a week later and I tried to beat that track for like three hours. (laughs) I mean, everything I could do and I I just couldn't do it. He was like, I said, finally I was like, is there a way to just take that track? Which if you listen to it, you can actually hear my, my hand tapping the pit guard to get the tempo right. And like one of the, uh, the way I pronounce, I'm trying to think one of the words, I think it's top shelf shot of whiskey. There's, there's one of those, like the actual hook of the song, the very first one, you can't quite understand me. And it's cause I wasn't even really trying to sing it. So I tried for three hours and I was like, is there anyone we could just use this track? So he did some production magic on that one. So what you're hearing is the scratch track on simile.
0: No. No, no,
1: no. And he went back in and, and, and added the lead guitar on there. But that, that was the hardest one. Not it was the most challenging one to write just because of <laughs> what it is. I it, we slipped that one in there, I think, pretty cleverly because it wasn't you – don't, you, you don't look you go, oh, it's a simile. Those that know what a simile is might pick up on it, but it's not forced. But that's why I'm, I renamed the song to that. It's not spelled that way on purpose. It's spelled like a random name because I want that to be everybody's someone.
0: See, I thought at first I thought it was like a a mashup of obviously the album title Selma by Sundown, and I thought it was like a kind of like a misspelling or something of the Selma side.
1: But well, that's pretty. Cool. I never thought about that.
0: But yeah, I mean, I, it didn't even click that it was full of similes. Dang. Oh. Well, and,
1: and it, it, it's kind of funny because I get I get all these people that ask me, you know, what what's the theme of the album, or. or what, what's what's the takeaway from this this project? And I'm like, well, I didn't set out just to write an album. I've already got the second album done, as far as in my notepad. I've got songs about running cocaine and marijuana and shrimp boats. <laughs> to I mean, I, I, I've really we got some some really strong stuff that we've incorporated into the live set here recently. Yeah, but I think if I think if there's a takeaway is don't let the Twain fool you and the fact that we're not at Nashville fool you. Uh, most of our songs have got some serious grit to them. Even Yoho, Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people listen to and go, what is this? But if you actually listen to the song, it, most of it's pretty deep. So I think the whole takeaway is it's an easy listening album, but if you want to dig into it, knock yourself out a songwriter. Basically, it's a songwriter's album.
0: Now, my last kind of question is... What on earth is a Farmal 53? Because it kind of makes me think of a a plane, because you're talking about being over the oak trees. Now, I'm trying to think of things that are over oak trees, and it'd be like a crop duster or something like that. (laughs) I don't know.
1: No, under the oak trees. Oh, Under the oak trees, sorry. Yeah, so uh, a Farmal is a branded tractor.
0: Oh, all right.
1: So like, like a John Deere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the way that song came about, that might be one of the most unique ones on the album in the sense that two buddies of mine called me that are not songwriters, they're farmers. They called me on a Wednesday and said, hey, come out to the farm, let's write a song. And I was like, well, whatever. So there we were. And we always go out under the oaks and just hang out, solve all the world's problems. It's one of my favorite things to do and it's just a gorgeous low country landscape. I mean, you've got... Oak trees are hundreds years old. Spanish moss hanging off of. I mean, it's like something out of a magazine. I've I've killed a turkey in that field, Um, but we were sitting there watching the dove field, January of 2020, and they came up with the. They said, "Let's write a song about the hardships of farming." I mean, there's obviously been songs about farming, but let's make it deep, like the roots of these trees. Yeah. And when my buddy said that, that's when I came up with there's something about these old trees. Yeah. Basically, it, it immediately. Is like, all right, this, is, this song right here is deep. So we start getting into the course, and my buddy goes, well, you got to have a John Deere in it. And I was like, well, that's the most cliched country. I mean, come on, man. Like, you couldn't think of any better than a John Deere? And so he looks at me, and he goes, well, fine. What about a Farmall? <laughs> and I was like, that's something that I, that I know of has never been done. No. And there's, there's an old Farmall tractor within, I mean, we could see it on the outside of, of where we were sitting, and it's an old one and it started out being Farmwall 55 but we were having some problems with the rom scheme i said y'all it don't have to be a 55 it can be a 53 i don't care and when i said that he said long days in the heat and basically the next line after that is thinking about way things been and always will be meaning that the practices you know generation from generation the practices are handed down and things may change but at the end of the day they stay the same yeah so especially when talking about south carolina farmers and uh, or really anywhere there, there's farmers but for this purpose that's how we started writing the song and I played it for Joe and he's like man I love it he's like nobody's gonna know what a farm all is but <laughs> the song. it's a sleeper because the first time you even me I was like I don't listen to the stuff a whole lot just because I've heard it so much and I, I listen to other people because I I've just always been that way but um people ask me if I listen to my music and it's not for the reason of me listening to my music it's I'm <laughs> kind of critiquing the whole time but Farmall 53 has become a regular song in my truck. And it's one of those you hear the first time, all right, and let me know if it does this to you. But it's one of those that you start thinking about it and you go back and listen to it. And the next thing you know, you're jamming out to it, riding dirt roads. Yeah. Um. But I, I think that that's one of the most unique ones in that the two guys that wrote it with me do not know how to, they've never written a song and they don't know how to play a G chord on a guitar.
0: You see, I've been, I've been, that's the song I've been listening to mainly today. And I was just trying for the life of me, trying to work out what a farmer was. I was going to Google it, but that's cheating.
1: So, well, and then to get back to the year, so this is what's so crazy, and I, I'm I'm a firm believer in these signs all the time, and I don't know if it's just happens to answer what. But when we pulled out the farm that day, and we'd written a verse in the chord, so my buddy Sam called his dad and who owns the farm, and he says, "You know, Dad, how old's this tractor?" He said, "I don't know, son. It's probably a fifty probably a 53 (laughs) and when he said that i was like there you go
0: made for a song fate
1: yep so you can't that up man so i'm a firm believer in that we're on the right route and as long as everybody goes and listens to my sundown and the album in its entirety just like you have (laughs) and i greatly appreciate it and we'll be well on our way
0: i am certainly looking forward to actually getting hold of a physical copy as well and put it in my car just to keep it playing on loop that'd be awesome that and Spotify as well, obviously, to get your Spotify numbers up.
1: Yeah, when you, get to, when you, when you go to sleep, put it on repeat and cut the volume down that way. That's it. <laughs> that way. <laughs> Listen, <yeah. laughs>
0: Where can people find you on social media?
1: So you can go to Instagram, look up Beam Country. That's Beam like the whiskey and Country like the music. Or you can look up Andrew Beam. It'll come up either way. Um, same on Facebook. YouTube channel Beam Country as well. And on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere music is streamed and sold, you can search Andrew Bean and it'll pull up. Summer by Sundown is a new album and Country Ain't Dead.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you everybody for listening and I shall see you all next time. Bye for now. That was the Country Chats Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chats on all things country music.